0: what's up this is bobby hoyt with millennial money man welcome to the inaugural episode of the money shop i'm super excited about this This is something that i've wanted to do for five years now (laughs) i wanted to do an interview podcast for a very long time and i've teased about it multiple times Uh, and now we've got the team to do it so um you know, I'm basically just the podcast concept is simple. I'm just going to be bringing on people that are just interesting people in the personal finance space. And we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about building wealth and we're going to talk about paying taxes and paying off student loans and just all the things with money. But, uh, it's going to be a relaxed conversation and just, just try to, I don't know, dig deep and really find out. Like, I don't want to hear the talking points that people have as they're trying to grow their brand. Like, I want to hear like the real stuff, the real story, and uh, we'll just see where the conversation goes. And like, maybe we crack open a beer or pour whiskey, or uh, maybe we don't. We just kind of hang out and drink water, <laughs> you know. But um, that's the goal of the podcast: is just to just to get to know people and, and tell real stories and, and hopefully teach people through that process. Uh, my first guest, Larry Ludwig of LarryLudwig.com, is a really good friend of mine. I've known him for years. Now he's actually part of the Millennial Money Man team, um, and I wanted to kind of test this out on somebody that was part of the team, so I wasn't just like wasting a, a you know a, a random guest time with like tech issues and stuff like that. But it turned out really really well. I'm super excited about the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Larry's story is basically that he uh, he drives a Porsche and he has a Mercedes and he's got an Escalade, but not really. That's not the story. The story is that he had InvestorJunkie.com. He sold it for six million dollars. I want to say back in 2018, but we'll talk about it on the podcast. And we talk about a lot of things like how he got into money, uh, you know, just how he, I don't know, his parents and how they dealt with money. And we talk about like what it's like to pay taxes on millions of dollars and what it's like to make millions of dollars on in some lump sums. And uh, we talk about horse betting. I don't know. We talked about everything. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I really enjoyed it. And if you have any suggestions or anybody that you want me to interview, just let us know, shoot us an email. Hello at millennium money, And, yeah we'll see if we can get them on so anyway, thank you. enjoy the episode and uh welcome to the money shop. What's up, buddy?
1: Hey Bob? what's going on?
0: oh you know i'm just I'm just here uh using you as a guinea pig for my the the first podcast episode. Yep. I figured like if am I, am I could start first? with anybody you're the first, you're the first, and I figured if I could start with anybody, it's somebody that's inside of the organization that <laughs> isn't going to be pissed off if the and the what, that, and what organization
1: I mean? is that? The Fight Club um, or some other unknown organization? <laughs>
0: I mean, okay, dude, I don't know if people know. You're you're a big guy. Like, I think if there was a real fight between the two of us, I don't think I would win. I'm not going to lie to you. I would try my hardest. I would do everything I could, but uh, you're what, six 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 three three six three. six three. 6'3". Yeah, yeah, that's uh, good for you, man. That's Congratulations on that, by the way. That's well,
1: awesome. I I, that, I did thank my parents for that one. I couldn't yeah. really uh, help with that.
0: Yeah, welcome to the money shop. You're the first one back, way back in the day, back when I first got started, which was only eight years ago. Um, I used like I had a good friend uh, that that his name's Jim, and he would tell me basically he was a family friend of my wife. Um, he owned a business, in owned a swimming pool company, and I used to go to his pool shop when I was like kind of starting out, and I I didn't know anything about money, and uh, he just started like teaching me things about money, you know, just very slowly started talking to me about like student loans. And then I'd like go back and we did a lot of water skiing and stuff together. So we just kind of hang out and crack a beer open and start talking about personal finance and business and investing. And, um, it just, it really changed me a lot and like taught me a lot. And then I kind of went into this whole weird, uh, personal finance world after that, just because I got so excited about talking about money. And I realized like a lot of people don't have that kind of stuff. Like they don't have, um, I don't know, they can't like listen in on conversations between people that either have money or building, you know, building wealth or building businesses. And so that's kind of what this podcast is. Like, we're just going to talk about stuff and it might go in a bunch of different weird ways. uh, And then I'll try to pull it all back together at the end. But like, that's it. So you're the, you're the guinea pig, dude.
1: I mean, well, ironically, I had that same scenario, except I had no mentor, right? I mean, it's just you can definitely talk about that. What? (laughs)
0: Was it just you talking to yourself? What are you talking about?
1: Meaning, uh, yeah, exactly. I was uh, Well, no, I had no mentor, so I had no one really to talk to about Mm. money, right? My parents were horrible with money. I'll I'll be flat out honest about that. That, um, you know, when my father died, his pension died with him. And Mm. that really, I mean, that was before I I made it uh, really successfully as far as a business owner. I was not unsuccessful then, but when I... Realized how much debt my parents had and just the issues with money that they had, I kind of made a promise to myself not to have the same issues, you know, my parents had. And and it's always been said, either you become your parents or you do the exact opposite. Right. And in my case, I want to do the exact opposite. You know, I love them to death, but they were just not really good with money. My my father, you know, um, bet you know the OTB, which is a off track betting, which is a horse racing, here in New York. I didn't. And know my mother was like expecting some money to be in that account and it came out to be like 37 cents or something like that um, just to show you how much, Dang. you know, he did not have, you know, he always was betting on horses. I mean, he, he wasn't a gambler in the true sense of like had an addiction, but, you know, he was not really betting. I mean, he was right. not really saving his money for a rainy day and he was pretty much living for the moment and my mother did the same thing and that really, you know, had, you know, while they looked really, you know, financially off, looked successful, you know, in, ter- in truth, they really didn't have much in terms of investments. And that's, again, mm-hmm. why I decided to go down this path and really learn about this stuff at a really early age. I was in college, you know, with, a, at the time, Quicken, learning and really managing my finances while all my other college friends were, like, looking at me with, you know, a strange face, like, what are you doing?
0: Right. Did, were you, like, were you balling when everybody else was, like, broke in college?
1: When you say bawling, when I mean, I had, I had a job. I worked in the computer okay. department in the, the college I worked at. I, like, I were you already
0: life. investing? Where, I mean, like, were you already going down that path of like, you, did you know that you were going to be a wealthy person in college or were you still trying to like, trying to figure it out? Like how early did you know? I was know, determined
1: like... to be a wealthy person in college. Um, okay. Meaning, I mean, I, I graduated comp sci, computer science from Clemson university. Yeah. And you, know, so I knew from a, you know, a tech, you know, STEM major, I was going to do pretty well, but you know, there's no guarantee with anything. Again, you could, you see people that make six figures or more and still have no, nothing to speak to, you know, speak of. So money or income per se is not necessarily an issue. It's how you deal with it. Um, In college that I have, I actually had some investments in college. Um, I also, I had from a prior accident, about $10,000 that just for savings Mm -hmm. um, was awarded. And that was my, you know, Nest egg, if you will, which I spent most of it on my last year of college, in fact. So I really didn't have that much per se. I mean, obviously, we're all, we all start off at different point, you know, parts, points in life in terms of where we are, you know, as far as the, the goalposts. But that being said, I don't know. I mean, I was definitely determined, I think it would be the better way to look at it. I didn't really have much to speak of in terms of money. Uh, you know, I came out debt free, which is obviously a big issue. Uh, yeah. you know, especially nowadays with college education, what it is. My oldest is uh, getting ready to go to college, and just the expenses, just the amount of money it costs, is ridiculous. And you know, made the promise yeah. to all of my three kids that we'll definitely, you know, make sure we'll we'll cover those fees. So I want to make sure they're debt free. But you know, back when I went to school, you know, the example of being Clemson was only, jeez. It was maybe eight thousand a year, nine thousand a year. Now it's—I just went there because my son's considering it as well, and it's f- almost forty thousand a year. Mm-hmm. So it's not cheap by any means. Uh, no. stakes are much higher, but anyway, no. getting getting back to my, my story, I was determined to make sure that you know success failure was not an option, and I, I really you know I've I really worked my butt off for many years.
0: What year was this? Like when, like, Kyle, like you said, you you saw what your parents did. You saw that they were betting all their money on horses, and then you <laughs> well, <went> they to... <laughs> were betting on horses,
1: but they weren't saving the money. They they were living <laughs> right, the, yeah. the good life. They they had yeah. the presence of a, a nice house, nice cars, but really didn't have anything in terms of investments. Right. Really, very yeah. And, yeah. and that was a wake up call when I was probably sometime in maybe my junior. Year of college, so this was probably like nineteen ninety one ish. Ninety
0: one, okay. So, because I'm trying to think, like, for me, like, I just when I started learning, like, I learned a lot. I said, you know, from the pool shop and everything, but really, I started like, I started blog, like, not blogging. I started looking up things on Google and like, I found uh, Jay Money from Budgets Are Sexy. He was the first blog, one of the first blogs I ever found. It was him and uh, and Aaron uh, Lowry from Broke Millennial. And I didn't even know blogging was a thing, but I was like looking at it and I was like, wow, okay. And I learned, started learning about saving and budgeting and, and just kind of filling in some of the gaps and knowledge that I had. But like, well,
1: ironically, I'm, you know, that stuff didn't exist when I. That's you know, what I was about to ask. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was Susie Orman, you know, of all people. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. you know, she, there were financial books like that. And there were radio talk shows, right? There were AM radio, to, at least in the New York area. There were yeah. AM financial talk shows on the weekends or even weekdays. So I, listened to, I literally listened to every. I could get my hands on Audiobooks, radio shows read books wow. you name it there was really no internet I mean the web was in its infant stages at that point so there was really right. no there were maybe forums you could discuss money on but they were very minor
0: was uh was Dave Ramsey doing his thing back then
1: no he I think he became popular late 90s if memory serves me right
0: okay so like Susie Orman these video or the, or these uh, talk, I can't even believe it. Like AM talk radio finance shows. That sounds, pro- I, I might've heard one of those maybe once in my life, but it sounds terrible. Um, but like, what no, were they? Well, what was the, I mean, was there, are there good ones? Do you remember any good ones from back in the day? Well,
1: there was one guy that was uh, doing a pump and dump and actually got arrested by the <laughs> sec. Uh, what the heck is that guy's name? Um, it'll come to me at some point. FM but
0: radio pump and dump.
1: He was, did a pump and dump for um, at the time, cellular cellular um, towers. Oh, my And gosh. got caught by the SEC and got fined and went to jail. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> so I was listening to financial <laughs> advice to some guy. <laughs> was it good advice,
0: though? Like, was he actually doing, like, good stuff?
1: Well, again, I'm of the mind. Well, obviously, in retrospect, probably some of it, no. <laughs> okay. uh, but that being said, you know, look where I'm, I had no person to really look towards to get good financial advice, right? hmm you know, I mean, obviously, nowadays, with the proliferation of the internet, you can get much more advice, I mean, good and bad advice on the internet, just as easy. Yeah. So, that being said, was it good at financial advice? I mean, no, but it, it at least helped me go down a path of learning more about finance and money, right? That was my, my right. goal, is to really look at different sources. Like, I don't consider Susie Orman a good, a good source for me, <laughs> but yet I learned something from what? her. So, I, well, I mean, you know, her, her mantra always was, max out your 401k, you know, mm-hmm. max out retirement accounts where for me as a business owner it's probably not the best strategy right right um, you know right. where the she's really much more the bread and butter you know working nine-to-five job you know maybe it made sense to do those things that she recommends where mm-hmm. if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner probably maybe it may not be you know the best advice in the world
0: so who is your like who is your favorite person to listen to back then it wasn't Susie it wasn't the pump and dump guy
1: Ah. Uh, um,
0: or was there a book? Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to get, I, I don't know. You know, well, well yeah, let's say, I would did.
1: say in terms of the books, probably two books that was a good influence and it's not necessarily financial was Tony Robbins, which really? obviously talked about <laughs> scams or, or pump and dumps. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I've met the guy, I've um, interviewed oh, really? him, um, been to m- multiple of his, uh, his, uh, um, seminars. You interviewed Tony Robbins? Yeah. Uh, when I had oh. Investor Chunky.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. Sorry. Go on.
1: So um, his books were inspirational again, that you too, you too could do it, type of thing. And then, probably even again, another person that has questionable background is Rich Dad Poor Dad Robert Kiyosaki.
0: Man, he's a good follow on Twitter. You follow him on Twitter these days?
1: I do. I do. <laughs> That's such a wild I just saw account. something about Airbnb he posted. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to finish reading it.
0: Oh, it's so tough with him because I love that book. That's one of my favorite. That was actually, I think one of the first personal finance books that I read. And I just, it, I loved it. Cause it was just such a, it just resonated with me a lot. And I was like, I just, I totally get this. And then you, you jump off to Twitter and you watch what this guy's talking about. And you're like, Oh my God. <laughs> like he, I don't know if he's just gotten so like so old that he can't even be that old. Like, I don't know what he ta- do. Like, do you, do you see what he talks about?
1: Yeah, I've, I've listened to his radio show multiple years. Um, okay. I've listened to his show. He's actually been interviewed by other people. I yeah. mean, he, there's things that he's definitely way off base. Uh, but there – uh, yeah. I, I mean, the problem – in the end, I guess, with any of these people, I'm not a fan of listening to any one guru, right? That, that's sure. really what it comes down to. Tony Robbins, without question, has its issues. I mean, I, I know lots of things about him personally and just his overall story and just the issues I have with some of the stuff but I take some of it what he says with a grain of salt right sure but he's inspirational there's things that definitely you can get out of his his seminars or his books that you know will help you move forward as a person same thing with mm-hmm. even Robert Kiyosaki even that the um what was the guy's name something block the radio host that you know went to jail um oh. you know in the end you can always get something out of these their um what they have to offer in the end definitely understand not all they th- say will be true and there will definitely be issues. And some of it may be very applicable only for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that with, with Kiyosaki someday, if this podcast gets big enough, I'd love to bring him on and just be like, dude, what is going on on Twitter with you? Like, what are you, you're talking about like sardine cans and like the wildest stuff possible. And it's like, buy gold Economy's crashing now. Well, he's been like, years. <laughs> I know it's just so wild. Um, but okay, so it wasn't, so it wasn't Susan, I mean, so you, you basically were just, you were just reading books and you were just kind of like gathering knowledge from FM radio. I mean, I then,
1: literally, yeah, I literally read probably 50 books, if not more. Dang.
0: Okay. What was the, what was the big, what was the biggest piece of advice back then? Or like, what was the current theme? Like right now it's like index funds. Um, you know, today's kind of an actually interesting.
1: Well, Index funds up. have been around for years. I mean, they, as far as that discussion, same thing with active investing. I right. mean, they seem to definitely do it through cycles. Same thing with these, like, I mean, it would be funny if you read a, read a book from the, say, 90s on financial and, and the interest rates you could get on, say, CDs. <laughs> I right. mean, we're kind of going back towards that, you know, sure. present day. But, you know, for many years, I mean, how many of your generation or younger have, have not seen a CD rate of 5% or more? <laughs>
0: I think what's happening right now for my generation is a very shocking thing. I think it, they're like, how could this happen? These interest rates, I don't know what, what is this? <laughs> and I remember, I mean, everybody like Jim, the guy that I was talking about, like he was like interest rates when they were low, like when they were really like, you know, three um, or yeah. even a little bit lower than that. He was just like, you have no idea like what people were dealing with in the eighties. And, you know, like in, you know, prior decades, like these are, these are nothing. And I think for people my age, it's a, it's a big eye-opening. Like, wait, like money's not just cheap? Like, you can't just get free money for like, doing everything you want? Yeah, that, that's um, definitely
1: a huge shock for your generation. I mean, not for me so much. Even, well, even for some of my generation, right, who have not were involved or understood finance or really watched it. Because I used to watch it for many years, even prior to the really when I started you know, becoming of age and on my own. I always was interested in finance and investing and just things about money. You know, I'd watch the news shows and talk. They would talk about you know today the G- GDP or inflation rate or you know unemployment, shit like that. That always would just interest me as a child. So I have always had you know as an interest for this. I, I just full disclosure or, or discussion. You know, I used to own a blog called Investor Junkie that discussed all this stuff. Um, so it was it was perfect match for me. It merged my technology skills with you yeah know, discussing discussing personal finance investing. So it was perfect. for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> investor junkie, rest in peace, right?
1: Yes. Rest, rest in peace. It's gone, <laughs> but not forgotten. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, uh, you know, Sorry I mean, for your loss. <laughs> it, well, it's not my, I mean, on one hand, you know, I got paid to not care about that. But in the other hand, sure. it's hard when, if you're trying to discuss any consulting, like here's the former blog I used to own that doesn't exist anymore yeah
0: yeah that's tough that's tough and I, it's funny because that's, that's actually how like I want to get back to your kind of like your come up a little bit in a little bit but like that's how I really got to know you I actually did you know that I before we were in a mastermind together and before like I don't know just we started working together and everything you like was stalking me no I, w- I wasn't I just met you two times I met you two times both at FinCon uh, the first one first time Grant uh, just brought you. we were at a bar I don't remember which FinCon this was uh, but he's like, you got to meet this guy, Larry. He's got like a computer brain. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, but, <laughs> <You know? That's, laughs> he's like, that's this guy's right sm- in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, this guy's the smartest guy I've ever met. And so we, I don't know, we had a drink together or whatever. I think the other time you were talking to Michelle Schroeder um, at the FinCon, like, I don't know, the party thing they do at the end. Um, and uh, you were just talking to her, and I came up and like totally interrupted that conversation and then walked away. <laughs> so that was like the only interactions <laughs> I had had with you prior. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, and then you, now you've, you've helped us build our whole thing, you know? Isn't that pretty cool? Mm,
1: yeah. I mean, thank you. The funny thing is I've been always you know, fascinated about technology too. Sure. Like I've had these different paths as a child. You know, I'm, I'm kind of looking and discussing with my, my oldest uh, son, you know, what he's going to do. And he wants to, ironically, study computer science, you know, as well. He, but he also he wants to be more of an entrepreneur business owner. So we'll see how this goes. I, I think he's perfect as a salesperson. But oh. uh, we'll see, you know, where I was at probably 12 years old, I knew I wanted to be in technology uh, at <clears> a really young age. And, you know, my wife has the same, she knew at a really early age, she wanted to be a nurse too. So that was kind of a, it it's definitely helps to know, you know, ironically, I, you know, I do tech today, but in the same notion, it's more than just tech, you know, it's it's applying the technology and understanding how it can be used in real world in you know, situations, you know, I, I've had friends over the years who were enamored with tech just for the sake of tech. And, you know, application of it is really key. You know, there's been many techs I've looked at over the years and go, this, this sucks. I'm not going to use it. You know, I mean, one example, you know, as a recent of discussions is EVs, you know, electric vehicles. Yeah. You know, I'm not a fan by any means. What? Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> For people that are listening, Larry is balling out of his mind with the cars. He's a car guy. You got the, you got the Porsche. Yep. And then we've got the <laughs> There's – don't be embarrassed about it. It's okay. You got the Porsche, and you've got the Escalade, and then yeah. I don't know what your other car is. Mercedes. Or, yeah, dude. Uh, S-Class. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I have very expensive taste. <laughs> it's but like that's fine cool. wine.
0: Yeah. I mean you got to like something. Did you know that you were going to like cars like that when you were young? Like were you into cars at all? You were into tech. You were into to finance. Yep.
1: You were into cars I, I knew I was into cars. Too. Meanwhile, my father could not change an oil. You know, it. It, it, my, it, I definitely have gotten more the mechanical skill. My father was really into sports. Actually, he was a you know what do they call a three three letter man or whatever it's called, like your baseball, soccer, yeah. and baseball, football, um, um, baseball, f- baseball, basketball, football, and basketball, football. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'll get the yep. three. So, um, <laughs> it's ironic, you know. Meanwhile, I was horrible at sports. Sports is not my thing.
0: Sure. Do you think that you were the like the opposite of your father, like kind of, like? Do you think we do that? Because I see I see myself do that kind of thing too. Like, do you do you see yourself? Did you see yourself doing that on purpose, or do you think it's just like a natural thing that kind of happens? No,
1: no, I, I'm, no, I didn't. No, I, not at all. I mean, my father, if anything, wanted me to be in sports. Um, mm-hmm. he, try, he encouraged it. You know, he wanted me to do, do soccer, basketball. I sucked at all of it, right? And just knew it was not my thing.
0: And your dad wasn't an entrepreneur either, I'm guessing, no. right?
1: Well, he always wanted to start a business, but no, he, he never did.
0: That's actually really simple. Did he talk to you about that a lot when you were a kid? Because my dad talked to me a lot about, like, one, he wanted to start a restaurant forever. And I remember, like, he just, he's got a job that he really enjoys now, but, like, I know for forever well, he was like, for the audience, to start a your restaurant.
1: father's the, literally a rocket <laughs> in, in <an> aerospace <laughs> engineer.
0: Yeah, he works at he works at NASA. He's a, a a what is it called Russian interface officer. I don't want to butcher this because I don't want him to listen to this and be like, ah, oh, he doesn't know what I do. Uh, but he he handles communication between um, for the international space station bet- between the Russian side and the U.S. side because there's a lot of collaboration there. So Does he, he speak, gets to sit in mission uh, control. Uh, he speaks some Russian. He's but he have a, they have a, like a translator too. So because like you really can't when you're dealing with that kind of you know cross communication and it's yeah. like a bit it's like there's a lot of importance in the words that are actually said um the, you can't mess it up so but he does and he goes over to russia you know periodically so he's that's actually been a big part of my life like he went to russia for months at a time when i was a little kid so um so yeah he's he's uh he's in the the rocket the rocket field for sure but um what was i talking about i can't remember yeah, what i was we, talking we,
1: about uh, would i want my father? what did my father or did i try to do the opposite of my as far as Money yeah, wise, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. In terms of sports, oh, entrepreneurship, tech, yeah. No, I mean, that's right.
0: Yeah,
1: I, it was not. My father did he encourage it, probably. I mean, he was probably more, if anything, for that is concerned. He probably was trying to live through me, you know, my entrepreneurial dreams I had at an early age. You know, when I my exit interview for my college, my um, the head of the computer science department asked me, you know, what did I wanted to do, and I told him I wanted to start a business. And, yeah. you know, sure enough, you know, I, I was set out to do that.
0: Did you imagine yourself going into the server business for internet, for like internet server? Web business? hosting. Um, web hosting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that too.
1: I had, you know, there was definitely other cockamamie ideas I had, um, in the nineties. You know, the, the, the web was just starting off and I worked for multiple, I probably worked a job a year, literally. I would rotate wow. jobs and get a better salary every year from when I graduated to, you're finally starting my own. She's 99.
0: Jeez. But okay, so okay, I want to back up though. I want to hit. I know you had a career prior to web hosting, and I know mm-hmm. that web hosting sucked. <laughs> so um, it certainly, did. but yeah, but so you you got out of college, you went in, and you did just a bunch of different jobs. But you landed. You were at one place for a while, right? Didn't you have like one place where you were?
1: Mm, if you consider maybe two years. Three Dang,
0: years. you were turning over that much, that's wild
1: yeah, I'm mean, well in tech in the tech field, especially when' oh, starting off, you can easily do that
0: and that was just was that purely just a was it because you were bored or you were just trying to get a higher salary
1: um combination a combination of three things I think higher salary, bored or wanting to expand my skills, and just hating in some cases the company I worked for mm,
0: that was a common theme. <laughs> yeah
1: i mean the motivation to want to you know like screw this i could do better
0: yeah i mean was it like that you didn't like to work for people
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i still have that problem
0: yeah yeah well that's i mean dude that's why i quit my teaching job i couldn't it's like every time somebody told me to do something i was like it was like nails on a chalkboard which kind of sucks i mean i you know i i think that well, it's not necessarily
1: being rebellious for the sake of, like, it's not being, you know, I what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like, try, it's not trying to be stubborn or, or defiant. It's just that, yeah. in some cases, I'm looking at my boss going, he doesn't know that, I, I'm not going to curse. He doesn't know <laughs> what the hell he's doing, but, you know, I could do better.
0: So, okay, so you hated you hated work. I would do that the same way. I hated it so much. And I would, I... I feel like I was a terrible employee because of that. Like, I think that just the fact that, like, it was hard for anybody to tell me what to do. Like, I look back, and I'm like, it probably sucked to work with me or for well, me to, on, you know. on top of,
1: you know, being a school teacher, right, in your case, you have a lot of not only, you know, the the management, the school board, what have you, um, you know, working with, but also just a lot of rules and regulations that the state and, you know, the state.
0: Oh, Dude, I had like seven bosses. <laughs> like, well, it was that was the wildest part. It was like, because I worked at three different schools, and so i I taught um I taught three, high school three
1: three different schools at once. Or oh
0: yeah, all at the same time. Um, um, so I my job I was a band director, but my job was I was the high school band director, and I taught percussion. So I taught the drums, and then I also taught at two. Um, Middle schools that were like feeder schools like those kids went up into the band um, as they went into high school. And so I I taught them percussion as well. So like the idea is that you have like a full fully integrated. It's like they start they have like all the skills that you teach them then they come to the high school. and It's like they've got a foundation that goes all the way through. the problem with that is that you actually have to stay in a job for more than the three years that I stayed in it to actually like see that come to fruition. Like where the kids <laughs> that are young like, actually become, you know, but yeah, I was working at three different schools. And so I was like, I didn't like being told what to do. And I had to navigate, like I had two sets of middle school, like directors that were above me and then I had to deal with their principals and assistant principals. And then I had the high school and I had like three assistant principal bosses and then the principal yeah. and my head band director. So it was like a very strange I was like – I was uh, dying in just hierarchy, well, I guess. And I again, plus
1: all these regulations you had to deal with too to, from the state. Oh, dude.
0: Yeah, teaching stuff, man. I don't know how anybody does it to be honest well, with you. Well, you
1: get summers off.
0: Man, I didn't even get the summers off. I. But yeah, I mean that's – I feel like that's how they kind of – they don't even try to lure you in. I mean I think a lot of people that are good people try to teach. Yeah. It's just no, –
1: no, Yeah, I'm not against teachers by any means. Oh, I'm it's not even –
0: yeah I'm not either. I mean I saw some bad teachers too but like
1: well
0: man it just it's such a hard career and I think it's something that uh, it's a hard career and you just don't get paid very much and that's just the reality of it like I it sucks
1: yeah I don't know know, in your neck of the woods in Texas in New York they get pretty paid pretty well
0: Um, yeah they got the unions up there right what do you think they get paid
1: um it's all public information I mean I have their teachers from my school district that easily make six figures
0: Okay, average teacher salary. I'm my own producer, if you didn't notice. Average teacher salary, New York. So it might, dang. Be less ups-
1: it might be uh, less upstate, too.
0: My God. Average, looking at eighty-three thousand 7- yeah. seven, seven thirty-eight in 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there, I mean, there's some of these people that are pushing six figures. Now, granted, you're living in New York, so I don't know how they're how making, far that goes.
1: Where, in where I live, they're easily making six figures. Wow. Almost, almost most teachers uh, after like four or five years.
0: I made, I think it was like fifty three thousand seven hundred dollars or something like that. My first year teaching, cents. and that was, that, yeah, that was extra um, because I got a stipend for being a band director. So I think like the, I think the starting salary was like forty nine, and Perfect. it hasn't come up. Like, let me look at that. Like, yeah, it's probably average teacher salary taxes. Yeah, um, let's see, fifty six. 56, one sixteen. So, and that's 2023, Whew, man, that's tough. That's tough living. Some. I mean, you can do it, but man, that's for the amount yeah, of hours I worked. I
1: wouldn't want it. I mean, and geez, my, obviously this is the nineties now. So, you know, with the rates, the salaries would be much higher. My first job coming out of college was 25,000. Uh, you know, probably would be worth maybe 45 ish.
0: Okay. So you weren't I mean, you weren't like well, you probably felt like you were swimming in money though.
1: At the right? time, yeah, I was single and yeah. <laughs> had no expenses and yeah, that was it was great. I mean, yeah. now the yeah. average you probably would make coming out of college, you know, 60,000 in computer science. Yeah. Which is not okay.
0: bad at all. So you bounced around from I mean, I don't know, can you explain real quick what computer science even is? Because I, I, like, loosely know, just because I've talked to you about it before, but um, some sure other people are sitting here, they're gonna like, what is that? My son's <laughs> asking
1: the same question. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the end, you're learning about the foundations of computers, right? There's different computer majors uh, this day and age, and some of them are more business-based or informational-based. than you know, computer science is really getting into the crutch of how computers work, really the foundations of, you know, Things like the von Neumann architecture and Turing, uh, Alan Turing, one of the founders or principal Mm -hmm. fathers of computer science, modern-day computer science, and understanding how the architecture works, right? Understanding what it can do and, more importantly, what it can't do, right? Computers are limited. Uh, Even though people are talking about AI and how AI is definitely evolving and growing, there's still limitations of what computers can do. Okay. You know, something that's abstract or creative, a computer can never do. As an example, you know, computers are still primarily, even with AI, are still primarily logic-based.
0: So, I mean, was it your knowledge of of that that made you want to go into starting a web hosting business?
1: Um, I started with the web hosting business because it was, uh, you know, in the end, people needed to host their site somewhere, right? They needed, you know, a business, uh, you know, web, well, this is even before blogs. You know, so people needed to host their stuff somewhere. They needed a business. Because of hosting your own server back then, you physically had to, you know, set up a server, put in a data center, right? I literally had, you know, servers that my first server was a, basically a tower computer we put in a data center. And you had to buy it. You had to, you know, set up the hardware, install the software, and away you go. Nowadays, everything, of course, is very cloud-based. So it's much, you just, you know, go to some provider like Amazon and away you go. Uh, back then, that w- that was not possible. So it was very costly. It, w- it was a sh- you know sucky business. <laughs> I was going to say the s word. Um, it was a really sucky business because of um, it's a lot of it's very resource intensive. You need a lot of hardware, and you're constantly cycling hardware. Maybe every four years before you have to get new hardware. And mm-hmm. it's just where really the value add in the end, anyways, was the software, or the administration, and that's kind of where I, you know I I saw the trends in, in the late. 2008, 2009, the cloud computing was the future. And not to say that, I, could, I did do some things to try to get into it, but still it's a commodity, right? In the end, right. people didn't want to spend money for hosting. they rather, even though there's a lot of things to put into it in terms of making sure it kept up 24-7, people just looked at it as a commodity, which it is. Yeah, so was not I hate dealing money with
0: to it. Yeah, I'm always, <laughs> like, I'm always talking crap about the, uh, the hosting that we use, and it's probably great. You know, I think it's like great, but I'm just like ah, every time it hits the account, I'm just like, dang, I don't want to pay for that. Um, so you did that for how many years? Because I like, I, I thought you did it in a pretty short period of time. It sounds like no, you did it for a while. I
1: started in 2000. Jeez, I started in 2000, really 99. I even before then, really two, 1997, 1998, part time, and it was my the original side hustle for me. And oh, from okay. that, you know, eventually went full-time 1999, had, went through a bunch of partners as well, business partners over the years, and was solo in 2003 on my own with my, no business partners until – really, I didn't shut it down until I sold my other business, Investor Junkie, in 2018. Oh, you were running I just business? literally sli- let it slide for about eight years.
0: Wow. You are letting it go for that long.
1: That's well, long it, it was all automated. I had minimal staff to help. With support okay. tickets and, and whatnot.
0: Do you remember that moment when you went from, so you were doing, you were like full time job and then you were doing this on the side. Do you remember that moment when you went full time into entrepreneurship?
1: Well, I was, ironically was very nervous for, for all the wrong reasons, meaning I was even getting business partners to help fund the business at the time in 99, where I, I was working at the time for a company called Commerce One. Mm-hmm. They were a hot internet startup based in, uh, not, based in walnut creek california so not the valley but close um yeah and it was a a b2b company you know it was really the valuation of the company when i left before it went public was like seven billion dollars or something crazy (sighs) and meanwhile you know internally i looked at the revenue numbers i'm like how is this thing (laughs) worth seven billion dollars and they went public and i actually did pretty well with the ipo (laughs) because if i was not no longer worked for that company and then Meanwhile, I had friends who had shares and never sold and literally had these what's called phantom taxes they had to pay yeah, for yeah. options they owed money they never... on. Dang. So um, anyway, so it, it, I went full-time with a business partner in 99 and at the time was nervous because of, I was looking like, do I want to you know, leave this opportunity I have working for this startup doing at least appeared on paper to do really well? Yeah. Or should I start my own business? And I was nervous because also what happens if it fails and stuff like that. Meanwhile, I had no, no wife, no children, no nothing, right? Very little expenses (laughs) Yeah. and nervous for, it was stupid. It was stupid to even think about it. I mean, I grew as a person long-term, but it was just in retrospect, why was I getting nervous over something that really, you know, what do I have to lose?
0: Did you already have revenue coming in?
1: Yeah. This is, you were doing it on the
0: side. So you were Mm -hmm. like, yeah. yeah. So did you like, uh. I don't know. Do you have like any panic attacks or anything like that? Do you have any like bad. Because like, you quit the job, because I, I know what it feels like to quit the job, and that feels probably pretty good, usually. I don't know if you felt that way. I was um,
1: ecstatic. On one thought. hand, they wanted me back. They actually asked me to come back, and I'm like, mm, I, they, and I did for a little bit, for about a month, actually. Oh, wow. So I reneged. Oh. Leaving. That's right. I completely forgot about this. I reneged on my leaving for about a month, and then they had me. Because one thing I did not like about this job was I was literally traveling the world. I didn't know from week to week where I was going to be. Okay. Constantly going to customer sites to do their installs and setting it up, getting, you know, working with the client. And I didn't know where I was going to be. So I had no social life to speak of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I did not like. And you know, at the time, what well, was 28, 29? Not to say I was necessarily wanting to settle down and get married and have kids, but I, you know, I was realizing – I'm certainly not going to have any dating life if I'm traveling all the time.
0: No. No, I couldn't imagine that. I mean, what were you traveling for? What were you doing?
1: It was doing customer installs. So I was installing software, the software and consulting the client at each install. Like I was in Europe for multiple weeks. I was actually in Walnut Creek, California for many months at a time. I pretty much that was my second home at wow. the time I was working for that company. So I was all over the country, Tennessee, um, where else? New York, of course, here in New York. But all it just was hard. It was very difficult to be like my friends would, you know, call me up going, What are you doing this weekend? Um, well I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have to travel somewhere. So it was hard. It was rough.
0: And this was this was pre this is pre investor junkie?
1: This is year yeah, ten years prior.
0: Okay. So you did the I mean you, it sounds to me like you ran this business for a while and then you kind of got bored with that and then you saw blogging maybe kind of start coming into the um, picture?
1: It wasn't necessarily, well the story is, and I've written about this through email sequences on my own personal site, the The genesis of creating Investor Junkie was I was very frustrated with web hosting and also consulting. I was doing, you know, other people's blogs. Sure. And in fact, there's actually a, a somewhat famous blog at the time was doing very well on my, my system, my services, and I'm getting treated basically like crap from them. They're like blaming me for things that really had nothing to do with my service.
0: Do I know who and this I'm person just is? Like,
1: got, what?
0: Do I know who this person is?
1: Um, no, they're not a personal finance blogger. They're actually, um, what's the name of the blog off the top? I can't think off the top of my head the name of it, but it's, it's a very well-known blog that uh, actually originally was on my server's. Okay. And they're very well known now today. But that being said, they they just I was not happy with the owners. They were treating me and my business not really well with respect thinking again going back to the commodity issue with hosting that, sure. you know, we don't need you, we can find another provider. And that's kind of where I was like I got really frustrated, but also that's where the light, you know, they say in times of frustration is really when you you should seek or think about new opportunities. And I think that definitely was the scenario. So I, and I remember very specifically that this was December of 2009, December 4th I think is when I registered Investor Junkie if memory serves me correct. And it was just really frustrated with this business of mine. The business really owned me, right? I I would really, really be difficult for me to go on vacation where if something failed, you know, I would have to be always be on call.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, I was I was successful enough where we made money, but in the same notion, wasn't large enough where I, I couldn't relax. There was always be something going on with the you know customer service or server issues or just something going wrong, mm-hmm. and I had to tend to them. So it was really difficult for me, and it was really stressful. If if you really want to talk about panic attacks or, or stressing out, that was probably the, the most stressful time of my life, actually.
0: Just that so you couldn't that you couldn't be off.
1: Yeah, you were always on. I was always tied to some cell phone or computer. I had, at the time, you know, Wi-Fi or Internet was really hard to, you know, be at vacation spots. So I would always have to ask if they had Wi-Fi or a way to connect to the Internet. Um, you know, it was difficult. It was a really difficult time for me. And on top of that, I had uh, one child with another child in a way uh, at the time. And yeah. just was like, this is, this is not right. This is not working.
0: And that's how you got into the blog?
1: That is how I got into the blog. I mean, initially I created the blog. I was like, you know what? I'll create it. I don't know if it's going to – well, before – the genesis of it actually was – this is kind of ironic. And, and it's ironic because we almost also friends with that person today. There's two sites. One of them I'm not friends with. But bankaholic.com was the first site that was sold. It was sold to Bankrate. Okay. And was sold for, I think, $12 million, And it was okay. literally one guy. And making money through affiliate revenue. And And that kind of was when the light bulb went off, right? Right, right. That I'm like, well, if this guy can do it by himself, literally a one-man show, and build a business out of it, why can't I? And ironically, also Get Rich Slowly, you know, J.D. Roth, who I'm friends with today. Gotta love J.D. Also saw his (laughs) blog. What?
0: He you gotta love J.D., Yes, (laughs)
1: is yes, the, <laughs> one of the OGs, I, original I OGs. I hope to have him. I want to have him on this podcast. Yeah. He makes look. He makes even me uh, an, an OG in his case. Yeah. So, that being said, um, yeah, wanted to not replicate it. I, I realized that you know you can't do exactly what they did to be successful. Because also JD Roth sold his blog too for undisclosed amount of money, yeah. and I think 2010. Something like that. Probably. That That sounds about right. I I forget the exact. I have it on my my own website. I think it's 2010 he sold.
0: Is he still not allowed to. I should ask him this when he comes on, but is he still not allowed to talk about that number? It's Um, like very, very I don't know.
1: I I mean, I kind of have an idea what it is, but I'm not going to disclose it. Let him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, don't say it on here. But yeah, maybe maybe offline. Yeah, I'm
1: not going to say it in public. (laughs) Uh, That that being said, um, yeah, it's ironic, you know, when he spoke, when him. I forget who else was – it was um, Harlan from Consumers and Commentary and who was the third person that all sold their blogs? Was it Jim? Jim Wang? Probably Jim. Um, From Barganeering? I think it was. It was all three of them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was And I saw them at FinCon in FinCon's financial conference in 2012 I saw them in St. Louis I think it was. And they all were sitting on stage where they, you know, they sold their blogs. That's kind of where it hit me. Like, you know, I want to be on. I want to be in their scenario, whatever time frame, eight, ten years from now.
0: Okay. When did you sell?
1: 2018.
0: Man, what did it feel like when that money hit the account?
1: Um. Well, it, it came in phases. So you're right. Are they going to give us? The, <laughs> when's the next deposit coming? Yeah, you or know, getting a little nervous there. Like you, you gave your, you know, because there's a transfer of ownership, and that you literally there's a point where you have no physical control over this, you know, business anymore. Right. And you know, will they make the final payments? That's probably nerve wracking. It is a little nerve wracking. That part's nerve wracking. Um, even though let's listen, even if there's an actual escrow, you know, sure. You still, you know, it's just numbers in a bank account. It's you know, yeah. it's not like you're given physical dollars to um, you know when you, you sell it. So yeah. that being said, it's it's all just a transfer of you know electronically. So you're you're nervous in that sense. It's it's it was great. On the other hand, it was very the whole situation of selling was very surreal because one is I you know definitely talk about going back to Tony Robbins and, and planning things out and dreaming and thinking about things and envisioning how they are. I definitely am a, a believer of, of those type of, you definitely write things down, because I did a lot of that, visualizing things as well, it really does help turn your visions into reality. I can definitely say that without without question. That is something magical. I don't know exactly what that is, but it definitely helps fine-tune and pinpoint what you're going after with very much precision, that you know, if you go aimlessly without it, it, it definitely, and not to say you can't be successful without vision or goals, but it definitely helps in the end.
0: Yeah. The kids these days call that manifesting manifesting. <laughs> yeah. That's, but I mean, I believe, I believe in it too. I mean, like everything that I've done so far, it's like, you have to sit down and you have to see it, you know, and you have to believe that you're going to do it. It's pretty crazy. Que- it is weird how it works though. Like it's a very strange thing, how it's like, you imagine that this thing's going to happen. You see it, you obsess over it. And then everything in your world just starts to kind of the gears start turning and you start making decisions and everything kind of points to that. It's really interesting how that happens.
1: And again, I had that stuff since college where, I mean, there were definitely things that changed along the way, right? You know, I definitely was flexible in my approach, Sure. but in the same notion was able to achieve things that, you know, once I dreamed of and they turned into reality. And again, it was surreal when I finally got the Porsche. Um, you know, I, even, I bought it even before I, I was able to afford it without issue before I even sold. And yeah. it was definitely something I, you know, wanted always to have. And, it, and again, yes, it's materialistic, but it, it's much more than that in the end. It's it's more about, you know, the, again, the manifest, manifestation of your your visions and your dreams. In the end, turning to reality, that was really what that, that still represents to this day is that, you know, I, obviously it's enjoyable to ride and enjoyable to use, but it's, it's, it's much more about in the end, the symbolism, what it represents to me.
0: Right. Like the hard work and sacrifice and all of that.
1: That too. I mean, that, that's, yeah, I'm not going to lie to anyone. This is, <laughs> there are a lot of days where I want in fact, actually with investor junkie vlog, I wanted to quit one or two times, um, it was about a year and a half in where I almost gave up.
0: Man, what have you had?
1: And the interesting thing was it was, it was where I just had to change the approach. I was not doing well with the traffic. I was not monetizing very well. And, again, I created this blog initially just to showcase my technology. That was the worst-case scenario. Let's, let me show what I can do for others and help them consult. Worst case, that's why I'll get out of this thing as an mm-hmm. experiment and it turned into much more of a, a business and profitable business into itself. And, you know, it, it is interesting. This is one of the things I even wrote a blog on my own uh, site about. We can definitely talk about this, yeah. is, you know, a lot of – one of the things I have a problem with a lot of personal finance experts, and it's a good segue from even from what we talked about before, mm. is a lot of business owner, a lot of, you know, people like Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, even Tony Robbins, you know, they talk about how they get wealthy or how you could get wealthy by investing – you know, do, this, do, do these steps. You know, if you only saved more and you're, you're you know, getting your Frappuccino from Starbucks, you would be a millionaire <laughs> by 30. Yeah. Which, in the end, is just totally crazy because that's not how they got wealthy.
0: Sure. They started businesses.
1: They started businesses in the end. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of what, with Investor Junkie, I started a business in the end. That's how I got wealthy. It wasn't because of, uh, and not to say you can't be stupid with money, right? In the end, you can, be, you can do very well. With, a lot of business owners, unfortunately, can do very well financially or you know, monetarily wise. But then when it comes to investing and preserving that wealth, once you make it, do really poorly. Right, right. But that's not how they made their money. You know, the thing that's so fascinating is they'll discuss. That's definitely one thing I can definitely – as a good takeaway that you know, even though I, I learned a lot about money and finance really early age – in the end, really, the, the way people make money, at least to me, the, mo- the, the way most people can stand a success to make money is through a business that I think a lot of people, and that's not to say everyone should be an entrepreneur or everyone could be an entrepreneur, but that being said, you know, unless you're, you know, very good athletically, which I wasn't, very right. <laughs> good with music, I'm not, um, you know, my intellect is really what my, my skill mm-hmm. is. You know, understanding that that was my my skill. That's, I'm really good at technology, and how can I leverage that in this case in the business? And that's kind of what I, I took it all at. So in the end, you know, don't listen to what a lot of these financial gurus tell you to do, and really just watch what they do.
0: Right. Who do you think is the best one right now out of all of them? Are there any?
1: I don't really like any of them, to be honest. For the most part, I mean. I mean, if anyone I would probably like is MJ DeMarco's Your Millionaire Lane." Yeah. Because he, he really he, – he espouses that type of mentality. And again, not everyone – the one thing that really I don't like about his messaging is it's much more – he's like more – everyone can start a business. And in the end, I think not everyone can. There's definitely – I was of the mindset initially too that everyone could. But it, it's, it definitely takes a certain mindset. Yeah. It definitely takes a certain way of thinking. And some people are better suited for it than others. You know, it's a, I'm not yeah. going to lie. There were times where it was very stressful, very, very hard uh, to you know, run a business at times. And you know, there were definitely times I wanted to give up, like I said, about, even for sure. Investor Junkie for that matter. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I think you have to be built a certain way like i think that but i do think everybody should try oh, maybe should it's a little strong yes i don't know i i think that if you're not happy in a day job and you think you should be an entrepreneur i think you should try it because you'll find out very quickly if it's for you or not like you have to okay. kind of be mired a certain way to do it and especially when you do like i think there's like levels to it when it comes to the stress part of it like uh you know, you can run a lean business, you can do what I'm doing or I'm, I'm hiring full-time employees and that's a whole different level of, you know, not of stress, st- well <laughs> stress sometimes, but, you know, but it's just, it's just, it requires a different, it's, it's just hard, you know, yeah. but there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But if you, I think if you, it really can refer, you can try, I've seen people try it and go, yeah, I'm not really, that's not really what I want to do. And then they go back to a normal job and they love it where they, they at least know, you know, it's like, they're, yeah, they're yeah. If you, a if you
1: have that entrepreneurial itch, I suggest to do it, right? And especially do it younger than do it older. That's not to say... Yeah. The The only... Like, again, I was stressing out when I was single and had no dependents, you know, for me. I was... Where reality is, that's the best time to do it, right? It's yeah. definitely easier to do it before you you get married, before you have children, because the states are higher. Uh, that's not to say yes. you shouldn't or shouldn't try if you really have it, that bug and you've never pursued it. But you definitely... I mean... It definitely helps to have a spouse that's supportive, right? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And my 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 wife always has been. Uh, but I mean, I had a business even before, so it definitely helps to understand the ups and downs. And she, if anything, her steady job, her good income, has helped, you know, helped us along the way as a family too. Oh, so that's good yeah. too.
0: Yeah. Did you have health insurance for, from your business, or have you always been on your wife's?
1: I no, I always had it through my wife
0: that is the worst that I think that's probably the worst thing about being an entrepreneur because like we were on, when I quit my job, we were on my wife's teaching insurance and that was not good, but it was better than nothing. And then she quit her job when the businesses started doing better. And then it was like, man, the options suck <laughs> for health insurance. It's I mean, like, it's, it's in really some ways bad.
1: It's been better since Obamacare and in some ways it's been worse. Yeah. I mean, the prices yeah, we have t- gone up and the options have decrease or the quality of the options have decreased over time, which is no surprise. It's a whole other topic. Yeah. yeah we'll but we'll, we'll talk being about that at some point. It's, I mean, it's nice that you're not necessarily tied to, you can definitely, there are more options today to get insurance.
0: For sure. We did the, we did the health share uh, for a while. And that was, that seemed cool until we had a kid. It's like all those, all those options seem like really cool. And when it's just, you're like young and, you're like in your twenties and all that kind of stuff, like those things seem like they could work really well, but yeah. then you have a kid and you realize like, Oh, this is what it's like to have medical expenses. <laughs> like, well, even uh, if you're
1: young, in most cases you don't have health issues, right? Yeah. That yeah. When you, when you start getting to your thirties or even forties, you know, it just usually start having, you know, health issues usually start creeping up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're on a private insurance now, which is actually seems to be good. I mean, it's definitely better than the health share. And then we're we're also looking at like uh, health plans for for companies and things like that. And we're not quite there yet, but we're we're looking at it. But man, that's yeah, that's the hardest thing. If you've got like a if you have a spouse that's got a good job, like that's the way to go. <laughs> I think that's the best way to try entrepreneurship. It definitely helps.
1: I, I mean the, and in my case too, I've always ran a very lean business. Right? It yeah. was pretty, and I did that purposely. I mean, meanwhile, I had an employee. She was like, "Why don't you have more employees? Why don't you have a bigger staff?" I'm thinking, (laughs) from prior experience, I don't want that.
0: Yeah, it's a different. I mean, yeah, it's a different world, definitely. Because I ran like an all contract team in both businesses for a long time. Um, It was just last year, I think, that I started hiring full time employees, and it's like, man, it's a different different game, and you definitely have to. It's a quick learning curve. I think that the 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 potential for how far you can go. Gets becomes a lot higher, you know, just from a, like a revenue standpoint. Um, but you've got to learn how to, you got to learn how to ma- not only manage people, but like manage people's desires, or not even ma- like understand people's desires. Like, how do you motivate people? Yeah, it's been a, yeah, it's been a very interesting thing.
1: It, it's interesting. There's a, a client of mine or a former client of mine, you know, that they wanted me to join as an employee, and I kind of refused. And the same notion too, just noted how their their management team is very much rah-rah right you know really like <laughs> like i don't need that motivation like i don't need to be like a pat on the back thank you larry for your hard work sure you know? but meanwhile there are there are truly are other employees that do need that uh, i mean for me personally oh, that's not what yeah. motivates me i you know I, i'm self-motivated and that that's definitely a good indicator of an entrepreneur too as you you know no one's going to no one's gonna kick your butt in the morning to get you up and do things. You gotta be driven oh. to do the stuff. And it's not necessarily financial either, right? It's driven to want to succeed at a personal level. And, right. and it's it's it is much different than going to a job nine to five. I mean many you know, I've had many friends over the years that, you know, worked a nine to five the job and they can't wait until that, you know, five out, you know, five PM on Friday until the weekend hits. Yep. And you know, I've worked, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's there, you know, the blurring of the weekends, the weekdays and what time of day it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There is no such thing really. Um, especially early, so early on, you you can't do that. It gets a little easier as you get a bigger team. Um, going back to when you sold investor junkie, what did that tax bill feel like? Were you pissed?
1: Um, (laughs) especially, you know, being a New York state resident. Um, You know, I figured it out, the amount of – just from that sale alone, I could have literally bought the condo that I bought in West Palm Beach. Dang.
0: Just gone in taxes. Just
1: poof, gone. And you go, what a – you know, i literally paid more (laughs) in one bulk period than most people pay ever in their whole entire life. Yeah. To New York State alone. Or even just – even forget about just overall, even federally. And – it's painful. I mean, that kind of just—it definitely is a wake-up call. If you, especially if you have a mass, you know, uh, cash out like that, that you yeah. know, you question things like how effective your your, you know, city, state, federal governments <laughs> are with that money. <laughs> I was just you laugh, but it's true though. it's, just, no, it's, such, la- it's such a. Uh, I'm if, laughing
0: because you told me one time, like the Porsche, as you're driving it over the roads of like New York and New Jersey, like how bad the roads are.
1: And it, just, it pisses you off. They are horrible. I mean, they've they recently paved some <laughs> local roads here. But I'm like, I've gotten uh, my, um, you know, my Mercedes has um, low profile tires. And yeah. I actually had a crack in one of the rims. Ooh. You know, nowadays in New York, they, at least for most dealers, they get you, a, you know, car uh, rim insurance or tire insurance because that's how yeah. bad the roads are. Like, you know, the roads are so bad that it's not uncommon to have to replace a rim or, re, you know, f- or rebalance it or fix the rim or replace a tire because you got a flat because of, you got you a blowout. Sure. You know, I got a blowout. Of all cars, I got a blowout in my Escalade from hitting a pothole. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. The size of those tires and rims. I got a, literally a blowout. From from escalate <laughs> yeah economy.
0: what if they could have taken your tax dollars and fixed that road you know
1: <sighs> so it, it's, it's a painful it's a painful exercise i mean you know it's like my wife has the different mi- uh, mindset of that is like well you know just look at you know you're you're be thankful you can f- afford to pay for that type of tax i like yeah but it would be great what more effective way to use that money than giving it doling out to the government as opposed to if you really were you know, my thoughts are give it to a charity instead.
0: Sure, yeah. If you had that choice, <laughs> if you had the choice that way,
1: or better yet, let's say you even had a better choice of, all right, you let's say you're still in favor of paying taxes to the, the government. but where can you allocate that money to? Right, I, I want to put it to this, this, and this.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you can't do that. They just take can't it do from that you. At all. <laughs> they just take it.
1: So, um. um yeah I mean, and the thing that's really after selling too right the thing we can definitely talk about is you know you you know one minute you have you know a steady income Ooh, and yeah the next minute you don't
0: that's an interesting thing i you know I always tell people because people have asked me like if I was going to sell my company and um, things like that and i've just i've always said i'm not really even interested at this point um, because i've seen every single person that I know, all my friends that have sold their companies, they go through a very tough period of their entire life changes. They don't know what they want to do next. They seem to kind of lose a little bit of like purpose, not long-term, but like there's a short-term kind of like, what am I even doing here? Like, what's, what's the point of what I'm doing? What am I going to do? Like, did you go through all that?
1: Totally. I mean, the, it, it's weird in the sense of, uh, I mean, at least I'm in the mindset of, I don't ever want to formally retire, right? To me, retire you know, what is in Latin, I think means death. And, you know, yeah. I, I have no desire to formally ever retire. Um, that being said, yeah, obviously, I have the means that I, if I didn't want to have to work it down, I don't have to. But, you know, to me, like you said, staying engaged, having goals, you know, it's the, it's the classic of when the, you know, the Apollo moon landing, when they finally landed on the moon, after they landed, they got depressed because of like, okay, he did this huge accomplishment. What's next? You kind of have to have that next
0: yeah. goal. Yeah. Non sequitur. Do you think we actually landed on the moon?
1: <laughs> yes, I think we landed okay. on the moon. I'm not one of those. Same thing with yes, and terrorists hit the, nine, you know, the Twin Towers too. So I don't have any of those conspiracy theories. I mean, no there are other conspiracy theories. I maybe, like, let's say aliens.
0: <laughs> oh, I, dude, we could, we could do a whole episode. I could bring you back on. We could do a whole episode on aliens. I am convinced. Then we have, there are aliens, but totally.
1: I I think so too.
0: they're yeah, one hundred percent. But that's neither here nor there. Back to back to money.
1: So, that being said, the thing that's hard—forget about even the the goal issue at the moment for, you know, not having, you know, like you go from. I mean, granted, I was really successful with Investor Junkie. I did really well financially from the, the you know selling of the business. On top of, you know, I had. I, It wasn't a stressful, you know, it was much less stressful than having the hosting business. It was very enjoyable. I really enjoyed it. But I I also realized that the market was going to change on top of, you know, if I wanted to be a, I sold also because if if I wanted to be a a bigger business, I knew the business had to be much different than what it was, revenue-wise. It had to be comprised much differently than what it was. And, you know, I have this offer on the table. Why not just sell it? and cash out, you know, take my chips off the table and then do something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, what, what is, what is next right now? I mean, you're doing, you're doing Larry So i actually,
1: I've been doing consulting. I have now link clicky as well, which is for affiliate marketing. That's right. Um, I think I was the first customer, right? Was I the first customer?
0: Um, or so I was, I was close. Hey,
1: probably close. I don't remember who came on first, but in terms of that, you know, the ironic thing is, you know, I, I sold Investor Junkie and they didn't consider that part of the technology, be the tracking, the affiliate tracking that I, I built to be that worthwhile or they already said they had something in-house. That's so funny. I'm like, I want to make sure that's, you know, taken out of it the, because they didn't equate to be worth anything. So I'm like, I yeah. want that out of the, the equation. I want to own that. And, you know, took that technology and been building that technology over the past five years. To where it's, you know, now a fully fledged the product because if originally it originally was built on another piece of software for link tracking that when I decided to shut down in March and had a month literally to build something, <laughs> yes. build something and yeah. now have a full-fledged product.
0: You do. What are you, what are you doing with it? Like where you, what's the next big goal? You said you got, you have to have goals. What's the next um, one?
1: The goal is to, right now there's some final touches I want to do for that software where i can really sell it in mass right there's it's functional obviously you use it i use it yeah. and i have other clients using it but it's it's it wasn't you know when i had to put it together in a month i had to cut corners so there's features and functionality there were missing at the you know a like lot you know changing of passwords a simple thing sure yeah uh i just want to get the thing working and have you guys functional right and that was my core issue and top of missing reports and some other facts features so most of those things are in place. Once I have the final touches in the next few weeks, you know, start really promoting it. The, the problem The problem I've always had, and I told you this in a, a mastermind you and I have had, is how big of an audience is there for affiliate marketing, right? That there yeah. is, on one hand, you know, it's the, I think the tool, pretty much every client who's used it has said how invaluable it is. On the other hand, it's it's not a huge, you know, Affiliate marketing, while you and I and others do really, you know, other friends we have as well do very successful at it, it's, there are very few and far between affiliate marketers that do well. I mean, that's, that's a, I think, akin to most businesses as well. But it's not, it's, it's a sub-niche of a sub-niche is the problem, of maybe even a sub-niche. So, it it's not a large audience of affiliate marketers that could use this product.
0: Right. It, I mean, could you make it like an enterprise solution? Like, is it?
1: It sort of is already, right, uh, Bob? I mean, I mean, I've thought about contacting some of the bigger publishing houses, right? They, it, the scary. Well, I mean, you you know as well as I do, right? The market for affiliate marketing is changing. Oh, sure. SEO, yeah. you know, search engine optimization is changing, and I, th- I you know it's, well, that's also an opportunity, right? I mean, most most affiliate marketers rely on organic traffic <laughs> and yeah. on top of that, cross their fingers and, you know, hope that Google doesn't change the algorithm. And if they do, they're screwed, right? Again, it's a huge black box for them that they, they don't really know what pages are generating revenue, what pages are making them money, which affiliates are making them the most money from what sources, right? It's just a pretty much, they put up links, you know, spray and pray is the, the, uh, the common terminology they use is right. they put a bunch of links on their website, blog, or anywhere else for that matter and, and hope things convert, yet not knowing where that conversion is happening. And it's kind of scary in the sense of from a business owner, right? That's kind of what I, I, that problem I was solving years ago when I had it on Investor Junkie was I wanted to treat these things as if it was my own products, right? In other words, if I I knew what pages made money, what pages didn't make money, what you know where were they? Make, where's the source of this revenue coming from? Was it coming from organic traffic or paid traffic or social media or YouTube, what have you? And that's what my tool now does.
0: Man, I have a lot of questions that I can ask you. I want to have you back on the the podcast like multiple times because I sure. I want to talk to you about aliens and I want to talk to you about <laughs> uh, personal finance influencers and really just more like deep dive personal finance stuff because I like a lot of people don't know that. Well, I don't tell anybody this, but like I remember right before this is back in quantitative easing times, like you were telling me like, this is what's about to happen. And you were, you were kind of like late. You might not even remember this, but you laid out like, here's what's going to happen over the next couple of years when they start raising interest rates, like these businesses are going to go down. This is going to happen. And that stuff all all happened. (laughs) It's like, so I want to talk more about that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on the first, the first inaugural episode. Um, and where can people find you? Where, where, uh, you the easiest uh, place
1: is LarryLudwood.com.
0: <sighs> Got anything else going on you want anybody to know about? Or is that it?
1: Just um, you know my soft, my affiliate software, LinkClicky. Link, um, Link. you know, that's really it at the moment.
0: Okay, cool. Well, thanks, buddy. Have you on again. Thank you. All right, later, man.